Mr. Pop. Well, hello to all of our international listeners. We love you and thanks for supporting the show. We can't get four people to listen to us in Werribee. Oh, we've got thousands in Kenya. <laughs> Those Kenyans, they love their AFL. <laughs> This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Hello everybody and welcome to Rock and Roll. Another week has passed by since you listened to the last episode or whenever. Uh, Welcome to this one, a week when Sir Paul McCartney graced Australia with his presence and knocked everybody on their socks, the old 81-year-old. So we're hoping to do the same tonight. My name's Kevin Hillier. I'm not 81. Mark Fine is not 81. And Brian Mannix is not 81 either. Uh, so we, we don't count on that level, but, you know, we'll we'll do our best. Hello, Finey. Uh, now, unfortunately, this isn't a visual podcaster. You would see Finey has some new tats. He's had a busy weekend being tatted up again or more. Feeling good? Yeah, just reinforcing... Yeah, we're getting there, mate. We're just getting covered. No, yeah, look, there's no grand plan, but I do now have what is genuinely known as sort of tattoo dysmorphia in that most people would think I've got a lot of tattoos. I look at myself and I only see where I'm not tattooed. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, I, I feel like I'm desperately in need of more tattoos. So I've got to sort of rein it in, but I love it. Very painful, but away we go. Uh, so you don't have a drawing, like a, a, a body, you know, imprint on a whiteboard somewhere with all the different bits coloured in uh, and the bits you're going to get to and the ideas you might have of what you're going to put there? You're just making it up as you go along? Who do you think I am? Buffalo Bill from <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got this room, you know. <laughs> It was with little body parts and paintings on them, and he changed them. Yeah. <laughs> well, come on, perpetuate the myth that you're some kind I of. Tuck, I took my willy between my legs and danced. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that's given some people that's, a lot to work with. That's normal, isn't it? I reckon, I reckon there's a team of psychologists, psychotherapists who sit around listening to this podcast and go, ooh, that's unusual behaviour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that's strange. And they nothing more strange than what they get from this bloke, Brian Mannix. Hello, Kev. Hello, Mark. Um, I'm furious today. Uh-oh. I, I don't know you've why. You've actually managed to do it. No, hang on, Brian. You've actually managed to do it. I, you're a genius. <laughs> What's that? Before we hit the record button, you were coming through like you're in the next room. Yeah. Yeah. Every friggin' time you do it, we hit the record button. You've stuck some $3 pair of headphones in your ears and now it sounds like we're speaking to you from the surface oh, of Jupiter. It's, it sounds back. like you're dangling outside the balcony. Hang on in one second. Yelling it up. Yes, get our boys. Can you hear me? To, oh, no, hang probably on. not. I think we're stuck with this. All right. Um, yeah, now, why are you furious? Well, look, today I feel like I've, had a big drugged up weekend because the, the thing with drugs, right, and it's the best advice I ever got about drugs and I'll, I'm happy to share it with everybody, but if you take drugs, right, you're borrowing from the bank. So Saturday night you have a really big night, it's fantastic. But then on Sunday or Monday you've got to pay the bank back and those are days when everybody's annoying you. It's just infuriating you. Um 
and you've got to remind yourself, no, nah, hang on, I took some drugs on Saturday, so, you know, it's not everybody, it's me. But I haven't had any drugs and I'm furious because the body corporate guy, what a dickhead, um, I go downstairs, I'm going to the pool, and they've got this tap, this hose just pouring water all over the, the driveway. And I think, well, this is just a waste of money. I try to put it in the, the garden and it's it's so full on that the thing's wiggling and it's just pouring water. Now, my mate who lives in the other tower says that's been going since this morning. So I go into reception. I said, look. She said, what's going on, Brian? I said, look, what's going on with this hose out here? You know, it's just pouring water. It's just wasting body corporate's money. You know, what? why are we doing this? And then Ricardo, the the body corporate guy comes out and he goes, what? I said, well, you know, the sprinkler. I said, no, it's not a sprinkler. It's just pouring water. It's just wasting water. So he comes out and he's the only one who's got a handle, so he's got to bring his own handle to turn the tap off. And then this freaking asshole, so, you know, I've helped him. I've pointed out you've got a problem here, blah, blah, blah. And then he he comes to me and he turns the thing off and then he goes, come back here. What, what am I, in school? I come back here. So I go back down there and he goes, you do not talk to the girls like that. And I go, what do you mean? I asked him a question. What's going on with the hose? You do not speak to me like that. So, of course, I had to say, f*** you. And and then and then I'm sitting by the, in the gazebo and having a smoke. Well, he's obviously just watching the camera because – He's the body corporate manager and he deserves respect and demands respect. And so then he abuses me for going to put a breach on me because I'm having a cigarette in the gazebo with nobody's complained. But anyway, fair enough, I did the wrong thing. But just, you know, talk about you give some people a little bit of power and they just turn into a goddamn Nazi. You get, get stuffed. Jeepers. And, I'm, you know, if I was coming down, and say it was probably my fault, but I'm not coming down. I've been a good boy and um, so there you go. That's why I'm furious. Okay. Right then. Mm. <laughs> he says, not as, really you, a, as you not hear really. the flicking sound of the lighter going and the smoke being lit, but you're in the you're in the privacy of your own home. You can do what you like, I think. Well, that's right, I, unless I stick a no smoking sign up, but yeah. um, I, don't, I don't think I'll do that. No, fair yeah. enough. Anyway, I'm sorry to start the show on a. How did the gigs go on the weekend? Oh, we were great. We were were really good. A bit hard work without Dale there, just me and Scott. It's like, oh shit, I've only got one song off. I'm back on again. And um, yeah, it was was a bit physically taxing, actually. But um, no, no, look, um, we we killed them. Um, We were really. Really good. I was I was proud of our efforts. I really was, oh, and sometimes so. I'm not. So, so I was really proud of finally, what we did this weekend. So finally, tell me about this tat. You've had the big one done on the chest. Um, is that a is that a multi hour? How many hours work was that? And then what do you what do you do? Do you just sit there for the whole time, or do you get up and go for a walk and then come back and do you have rests? Oh yeah, I break every forty five minutes. Oh okay, yeah, that's sensible. That's sensible. Well, what have you done this week, Kev? 
Uh, I went to Inverloch for the weekend and I uh, literally vegged out and pigged, pigged myself, <laughs> went to the local bakery and bought cakes and stuff and had a, we just had a lovely, uh, very, it was it was cold as charity and uh, windy and wet. So we stayed in and watched uh, watched a couple of things on uh, on streaming services, watched, watched a movie which was... Uh, not the not the best movie ever made in Australia. It's an Arndo film called Footy Legends. Uh, just a cute little film. We watched that and just sat and talked and chatted and had a had a lovely Sunday afternoon. Actually, and I I worked on Saturday, but uh, yeah, Sunday was nice. It was really good. How many podcasts did you get in this week? <laughs> how, how many did I do? Yeah, how many did, do you do a week? You got Food Bites. You got the new Elvis one. Yep. You got rock and roll. You got uh, Life of Brian. Yep. But I reckon you got a couple. Of, you got the book one. As yeah, well. got authorized as well. That's the the, the author's yeah, one. Am I, am I missing anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got the big W one, which is the Werribee Footy Club podcast. I've got the Two Dogs podcast, which is the Western Bulldogs past players uh, podcast. Um, I've got a tech talk one that I do for the Vic Uni up at uh, their campus and their tech school up at uh, up in Hoppers Crossing. And and a couple of others. So yeah, no, I've had a busy. Had a busy so day. it's a full time gig for you, isn't it? Well, just pretty much. The podcast. It, there's something something going on every day. I was editing some Elvis stuff just before I came in. When I finish this, I'll go and edit some Food Bites stuff. So tomorrow we've got a interview with Tara Rushton for Food Bites, which I'm really looking forward to. She's a delightful woman. So yeah, it's all good. Now Finey's disappeared again on us. I've got to let him. Oh no, I'm the host. He's, now just. Well, while we're waiting for him, maybe you can explain to me and the listeners mm. who is Tara Rushton. I, that means nothing to me. She's the host of uh, Channel 10's A League coverage. Um, she's a sports journalist uh, and a oh. television presenter who's been around for. She's married to Cooper Cronk. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and she's an oh. absolutely delightful human being, and we're absolutely thrilled to have her on uh, on Food Bites. And what's uh, do you got any? Indication of what sort of food she likes, or no, not yet. No, we won't know that until we talk to her. Well, we'll have to have a listen to food bites yeah. when it comes back. So, when, it's, got, uh, when that she's on, got Rebecca Rebecca Gillings, the current one, and uh, next week will oh, be Rebecca Rebecca Gillings. Gilling? Yes, she's the girl from the box, or no, Return to Eden. She was in Return to Eden with James. She played Tara in Return oh, to Eden, yeah, the one yeah, who gets yeah, 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 one who yeah. gets eaten by the crocodile and then uh, and then becomes a superstar model after the reconstruction. Yeah, after the plastic surgeon, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. she was in. Uh, I, th- I think I think I've seen her tits. Yeah, probably. Um, and she good was for you, good she for was you, mate. she was a presenter on our house for oh, what eight or nine years that that was on, and she uh, she's now the nah. she's now the CEO of Planet Ark. Well, I never saw her tits on our house, but um, I reckon maybe in Return to Eden we might have got a little squiz. Might have. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember that. In fact, image a delightful woman, very, very smart woman, and she's the the current Food Bites guest. She's a ripper. She, she had some terrific things to say. Told us some great stories about Return to Eden too, about going to Indonesia and uh, and uh, and Poland and all these weird, wonderful places that that series was huge. And in. I, I can't believe that uh, James Wayne didn't win a Logie for his acting. Well, in that. It was terrific. It, it, it was big in Poland. It was big in <laughs> across Europe and stuff. I wanted, they obviously they all knew what James was saying. They must have been able to work it out. Well, none of us could. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, I I'd, I'd put that acting performance in that show right up with my Irish jockey. Um, oh no! Was yeah, it I'd, that? Was it that memorable? Jeez! Uh, 
Look, I think you get a 4B2 plank and it would have more emotion. But anyway, there I'm you go. I'm going to Chartin. I'm going to Chartin, Chardine. I've got to go to Chartin to ride a few horses. Yeah, that's what I've got to do. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> they didn't give me the thing. They told me I was an Irish jockey. Well, what do you think you're going to do? You're an Irish jockey. Well, I better have an Irish accent. I've got that audio they, somewhere. I should drag that out for Don't. <laughs> no, don't bother, Jeff. That's fine. Let's find out what Fine is. Talk to Fine for a second. Talk I'm to Fine. How's, the Irish job. how's things at Lenny's? How are the Renault's going? Are you are not having trouble? With, is is Nat, Nat's not having any trouble with the builders? No, 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 no. Hard work. I mean, it's it's an amazing job, but we've done really well. Condensed the shop into one third, and the rest of it's going. But we something very interesting. So, you know, we're redoing the shop, of course, and. You'll know this from your family days running a business. Now, Now we really are just going to be a deli now, but I still want ice creams and soft drinks. And we had from the old owner a really old streets freezer, oh, the old yeah, yeah, yeah. chest freezer. Oh, the chest freezer. Oh, they're yeah, good, they're good like freezers it. though. Yeah, good freezers, but too big actually. Hold, hold way too much stock than really we need to carry given the type of shop we are. We're not a 7-Eleven or anyhow. And I've seen a, a, another one that I wanted to get, so we applied for it. And this guy comes out, Patrick, and um, I was dealing with customers and Nat was dealing with him and they sort of come back. They went and had a look at the old freezer and, and Patrick, had, you know, just was all business. And then he said, oh, uh, I'm the St Kilda supporter. And I said, oh, I know you're paying. Huh. And he goes, um and then he just said a couple of things and I thought, well, I'm Patrick, you listen to Rock and Roll. Turns out he he listened to Footyology when I was on that, but now very much a rock and roll person. Oh, wow. Derek St Kilda, Southampton in the soccer. Um, being a Saints person, I guess that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we had a good laugh and I said I'd give him a shout-out today. And um, he, you know... Let's be honest, Patrick's the man responsible for all my gay times. <laughs> this is, this is great just, news for everybody. Can I just say, that's not the first time you said that on this program, Patrick, so I don't think you're anything special. Um, <laughs> um, oh, well, no, that's, that's good. A, oh, good story. That, that's interesting because um, at my gig yesterday, uh, it was just Arvo gig and, you know, some – Oh, this girl wanted to get a photo with me, so, yeah, great, and the husband takes a photo, and that was really cool. And, you know, and then he says to me, hey, I love rock and roll. I listen to it every week. And I oh. thought, well, isn't, isn't that great? Yeah. So we must be doing something wrong so badly that well, it works. Well, number 18 <laughs> last week in the uh, in the iTunes uh, episode chart, so, no, it's still a very loyal uh, bunch of listeners uh, who listen to this Podcast, and we really do appreciate that. We how's how's life of Brian going? Or we're not hundred and fifty-five in the Ethiopian podcast chart. Whoa! It's actually well, I get a, I get a thing every day which says the chart positions of uh, of, of the podcast that we do. And what Brian and I just before when you dropped out, finally we're mentioning a couple that that I do. Um, there's a really weird thing is like food bites is, is is actually about number twenty or something in in the Manila food thing and. Uh, Life of Brian wow. is is in in the charts in the Kenya podcast charts. It's just there's the most wow. There's, and rock and roll is I think rock and roll is South Africa is where rock and roll 
bobs up. It's just these weird places. Get out of here. Yeah, no, it's very strange. Very strange. Well, hello to all of our international listeners. We love you and uh, thanks for supporting the show. We can't get four people to listen to us in Werribee, but we've got, (laughs) you know, thousands in Kenya. How ridiculous is that? Well, those Kenyans, they love their (laughs) AFL. And I've got to apologise for dropping out, but it was not my fault. What happened? Well, because I, the phone didn't have much charge on it, so I put the charger in it, mm-hmm. but I didn't realise it was not connected at the wall. Oh, there you go. Natalie Natalie had plugged in something that she needs. Not go- oh, I'm not going there. there. I'm not no, going no, there. No, not touching not that one, there. leaving that one alone, moving on. Um, it's an indictment on you. Now, Brian, what, <laughs> what, what, have, what have you heard about? What do you mean? Hey, hey. Any, you know, any assistance gladly, happily accepted. Right. Well, fair enough. But I'll tell you what, my power plugs are always empty. So that, there you go. That um, that hairdryer, I don't know what you do with that hairdryer, but if Natalie wants to plug it in in their bedroom socket, well, that's her, her, her prerogative you get a bit, finding. You get, a, you get a bit romantic. You put on a Roger Vadura song. You need the hairdryer <laughs> and some VGs to get it going. You better get used to it. Body puts on a little red V-neck jumper and away <laughs> they go. Correct. Ah, Roger Vadurus, goodness me. Uh, now let's have a look at what's going on in the world of sport, uh, which we have a look at. Uh, World Cup cricket, uh, we're at the halfway mark of the World Cup and Australia's in the f- top four, India's on top, and they bloody near had a game called off for the fog last night. Yeah. Which which apparently comes in under the Duckworth-Lewis-John Carpenter uh, calculator and you have to work out when the fog's going to lift or if anyone will be killed during the fog and then you can work that out. But uh, India got up in the end, so they beat the Kiwis. Another that, was a really, that was a really good line, uh, Kev. The Lewis thing, John Carpenter. Oh. I think most people would have missed that, but I got it. Very subtle, Brian. Because John Carpenter, for people that he made um, the fog. Friday the 13th. And, oh, the fog. Yeah. But didn't he, he did. Um, he did lots of films. He did. Uh, he did, yeah, he did the lots thing. of horror films. He did The Thing with Kurt the Russell. The Thing, yeah, great. All right, sorry, film. Kev, I've interrupted you. Yeah, no, it's all right. Uh, so that's, Brian, uh, Brian, you don't need to explain <laughs> everything, <laughs> even, though I had ab- even though I had absolutely no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> I just thought it was a really, I just thought it was a really good line. I thought, no, nah, that's most people going to miss that. And I thought, oh, I, mean, nah, I, I a bit of. I thought it was clever. I wafted, I wafted at it like a <laughs> Afghan, Afghani tailender. Um, <laughs> well, it's it's just unusual that we have a something funny that's actually clever on the show. I thought it, <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, to have attention. It had nothing to do with the dick. It was terrific. Yeah. I didn't call him Dick yeah. Carpenter. I kept I kept his real name. I did that. Yeah. Good work. <laughs> but yeah. you did I say mean, Long John Carpenter. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that. That's one of where I stuffed it up. I guess the I guess the Dick Carpenter has wood. Yes, thank you. Uh, now speaking of I that, I bet he's sore. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> speaking of that, heads back for Australia. Uh, which is which is good. Fantastic. <laughs> we all love that. <laughs> but there's some some you know, silly um, suggestion. That over, over to Brian. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I pass to you, Brian. 
Is Root playing for England? Yes. Fantastic. He's struggling. Yeah. He's Too str- much head. He's struggling. <laughs> Not enough, <laughs> apparently. I but, don't know. But They've got for, wood. For Brian, you'll be delighted with England's, the, the new bowler for England. <laughs> oh, what's his name? Famous blue balls. <laughs> oh, get stuffed. Yeah, you have lend to me, aren't you? Fine. Blue balls. Fine. If there was a card system like they have in the EPL, you'd, have been, you'd, you'd be very in serious, serious trouble of your second yellow right at this moment. So what oh, you're telling right. me, are you uh, telling me that blue balls has come in and Stuart Erection has been dropped from the team? He didn't make the score. Yeah, he was hard. <laughs> He was hard done by. He was stiff. He was <laughs> Right, now let me tell you about an amazing cricket story that I reckon is just quite quite stunning. Uh, and it comes from the women's cricket. I don't know if you're caught up with this. The Melbourne What, they play cricket now? Yeah, they play cricket, the girls now. Yeah, they do. Um, the, <laughs> the, the, the Do they wear a box? Yes. Okay. It's called well, a protector. There's nothing in that. I just... Yeah, because, mm. I, you know, I don't know. I just was interested. Now, the Melbourne Stars were dismissed for 29 on the weekend by the Strikers. Yep. Uh, that is not a world record. I was surprised when I saw that and thought, oh, surely that must be close to a world it's, it's a record in Australian uh, women's cricket. But the record, yep. it's, of all the two countries in the world that would uh, be involved in the record for a um, uh, lower score, the Isle of Man hold the official record. They were dismissed for 10 by Spain. <laughs> now, in, in, in men's, oh, I guess it was men's cricket. Yeah, it was. It was, it was in, yeah, <laughs> not the Isle of the, Woman. It was the Isle of Man. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually now called the Isle of Them. <laughs> yes, yes. The Isle of Pronoun. The Isle of Choose Your Pronoun. Um, beaten by Spain, which uh, the, 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 you begs the question, okay, we understand that the people, uh, you know, in the Isle of Man cricket team can't bat, that's okay. But where did they find Spanish bowlers good enough to get them out for 10? That, that, well, I, I actually watch quite a lot of the European Cricket League on Fox. Yes, so. I know you do, yes. Ten, we all? Ten overs per team. That's and right. And teams from right around Europe, Spain, Estonia, you name it, every country has a team. I dribbled across that one night on, it's on It's on the uh, ESPN or, uh, or one of the Fox channels, isn't it? Yeah. Now, yeah. now, how do I how do I explain this without sounding racist? Well, I'm not being racist. I'm just telling you that I saw every game there, from Germany to Spain to Estonia to Latvia. Now, I'll tell you the countries that are exceptions, but for Spain, Italy, Germany, France, Gibraltar, whatever, every single player is subcontinental. Right? It's uh, I mean, I mean, I mean that's fine. They live in those countries now. Yep, yep. But I'm not saying that they're not Spanish or French or German or Latvian. But if you think that there's been an upsurge in cricket amongst native-born, and they might be native-born, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Their heritage yeah, they're is they're, they're Sri Lankan-born or they're uh, Indian. I've got or no whatever. idea. I've got no idea what he's saying, but I'm listening anyway. They're all, they're all Indian or Pakistani. <laughs> yep. By you know. Their heritage, yep, which is fine, but you know, it's not like there's been this uptake in cricket amongst 
Well, well yeah. hang on G- a second. Giancarlo Baptiste and the entire Italian team are yeah. not. Now, yeah. now I would say I would say in the Spanish team there actually are a couple of players who seem to be Spanish names and whatever. All right. The Ducks, the Ducks playing it. Obviously, they're the best. Yeah. Yep. And they're all Dutch. They're, no, there's some subcontinentals, but um, mainly Dutch nationals because it's a popular sport in Holland. Norway and Sweden definitely have some a mix of subcontinental heritage and um, Swedish and Norwegian heritage. But I would say 90% of the players in that competition, and there are 20 different teams uh, of subcontinental heritage, which is fine, but I, I'm sure they all speaks then, you know, if you heard them interviewed, they'd, they'd be speaking German, Spanish and whatever. Yeah, well, the, the, the sort of uh, when you think about the world game, when you think about soccer in this country, most of the, the derivative of, of that came from Europeans and, and the English who started. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so yeah, of so course, the of course. similar thing's obviously happening over there. Yeah, and and you should see these games. I mean, the standards sort of vary. I, I would say that, I'll say this, when I was, at the peak of my cricket, I would have been a very good player in that. So, Kevin, you would have loved playing in it. Yeah. The standard is about, it's about, it, I would describe it as um, club cricket seconds, not grade cricket, club yeah. cricket seconds. Oh, okay. Yep. I, I, I disagree with Farney on that one. Do you? Um, yeah, good. yeah. Um, yeah, having watched a lot of uh, Spanish cricket, uh, you know, you just can't get enough of it. But a guy called Fernando Gomez, and he can bowl at about 158 kilometres an hour, but he's also a leg spinner and an off spinner, and uh, I think he's pretty much responsible for the Isle of Man being beaten and all out for 10. So well is done, he, Fernando is Gomez. Is he the brother of the player you made up for Gold Coast? During the year. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. He's, they're in the same family. They're cousins. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, one of the girls uh, for the Brisbane Heat, Grace Harris, scored 136. It's an hour, That's a record now in uh, score in WBBL of 59 balls, 11 sixes. Wow. Um, and there's actually one thing that's gone viral, uh, gone absolutely troppo on uh, on social media, is she's uh, she's uh, getting ready to face ball and she's I'm a bat's broken. I need a new bat. And then the, the wicketkeeper says something and she's oh no, I'll just I'll play this one. I'll hit this one anyway. We'll see how we go. She the, the bo- girl bowls the the ball. She smack. She goes back, smacks it as as the ball hits the bat. The handle comes off. The handle stays in the hand. And the rest of the bat goes, a la Rodney Marsh, that famous um, game against New Zealand. The bat goes for about thirty feet down towards the bowler, to to the left of the bowler, and the ball goes seventy-two meters over the fence. That's brilliant. So even with a, with a broken bat, this uh, Grace Harris whacks this ball, then uh, continues on after that. She was about sixty odd when she hit that one, and goes on to make one hundred and thirty-six or fifty-nine balls, which is hell of an effort. In any, well, that's, any that's, that's terrific for Grace, and I'm really proud of her. That's a great effort. And I'm really proud of me and Finey because mm. you gave us so many opportunities there. You did it off 59 balls. She needed a new bat, and we just didn't interrupt. So well done, Finey. Well done, me. 
Good boy, Brian. You're really great. <laughs> you're, you're growing up. Yes, he's a real boy. We're trying to. Wait till who, we, know, who, who knows? Soon enough you'll be tall enough to go on the ride. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, he, and you can go on the road with you with this high. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. He may, he may change his tune as he does most weeks when we get to the tips for the W, um, the AFLW. Normally is when now and our topic this week we're going to talk about three great captains or three great leaders in sport. So uh, on the back of a couple of people who've passed. Oh, shit. What? Didn't you do it? Oh, I read it. I thought it said three great bleeders. <laughs> oh well, there's a few of them. There's a few captains who uh, who bled for their countries over the years. No, I, thought three three, great, I thought it was three great tweeters. Yeah, them too. Yeah, no, I've, okay. I've, got, I've got three absolute rippers. Yep. I've got a list as long as your arm and I'm finding it really difficult to nail it down to three. Um, I'm thinking I'm thinking I'm thinking about because you guys will cover all of the good ones. And I'm thinking about just putting the most shit ones in because oh, yeah. well I'm thinking about oh, it. I'm not sure. I've got I've got my three shit ones, I've got my three good ones, but also I'll just see how how many Gazumpings I get, and we'll right. go with that. Now, it's been a fairly quiet week in football in terms of all the trading's done, so that's finished with for the moment. The draft the, the draft for the young 18 and 19-year-olds is still a couple of weeks away. There's, there's an, uh, a group of about 30 or 40 players who were um, on AFL lists who don't have contracts at the moment, who are uh, in the midst of, you know, uh, having tryouts and talking to clubs and trying to get on lists and all that sort of thing. There's a number of players from each club, four or five more in some cases, who've been delisted from clubs. They're gone. So lots of – but there's the the uh, increasing headlines revolve around players and drugs um, and players and their behaviour off the park. It's just it, uh, seemingly – I don't think it's worse than it's ever been, but it just – it seems to be – Permeating the front pages of the paper a lot more these days. Oh, we, we don't want to turn this into the Melbourne Footy Club show, though. <laughs> well, well, that's for, that's what the papers are turning it into. It's um, yeah, it's a bit a uh, bit ordinary, I have to say. Yeah. Well, so what, what what have you got? We've got a cocaine bust, have we? Someone's done cocaine. Is that is that yep. the problem? On match day, does has tested positive. Allegedly, oh. I'll say because I'm, I don't know what the right uh, thing is, but allegedly the report says that uh, he is a positive sample has been returned. They'll now, I guess, test the B sample and uh, they'll go take it from there and he'll get a, f- a fine of or a uh, suspension of some description. Oh, he'll get, he'll, get a, he'll get a big whack because if you are found positive to cocaine on match day, it's considered performance enhancing. Yeah. But I, I think I agree. You, you, can, you know, if it had been like he's on holidays, I'd go, well, big fucking well, I don't think deal. they're allowed to test him on holidays. Um, no, the only thing is finding uh, what I'm hearing and what they're reporting at the moment is three months. And Now, that's not a hefty suspension because he will serve that over the summer period. He will be – I don't th- I don't think it's going to be – unless the AFL come in and, and give him a suspension no, or Melbourne give yeah, him they- a suspension. Yeah, they'll, get, they'll have to come over the top with that. You can't serve three months when you're away from football. Big deal. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, for, and for it to have any real effect on his performance, he'd have to come off the field every ten minutes, have another line, <laughs> cock up again. <laughs> you know, you know, you're going to get a real good go. It's the most overrated fucking drug in the world. 
It's expensive as shit, and it does not a lot. It's just like, oh, I feel slightly happier. You know, if you want to get your bang for your buck, go and get some acid. 15 bucks, you're off your dial for 12 you, hours. Thanks, thanks, Matt. Yeah, Excellent. Thanks, Brian. That's terrific. Um, uh, yeah, so I mean, clearly there's 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 problems, um, and they're not they're not problems that aren't in everyday life, but they obviously are rearing their head now in in football circles as they have done over for many many years now. But it uh, yep. s- seemingly now is uh, it's, it's every every journo is a pariah trying to f- I, I don't know I I just don't know what they're trying to do here. Finally, what do you make of all this in terms of of where this is heading for footy and for and for the way it's going? Well, maybe over time I've taken a different attitude to drugs, but um, and I'm I've got to say that ultimately I think drugs are pretty dangerous and. I think footballers in nine in nineteen in two thousand and twenty three, the average footballer earns I think I think but once you take the first year rookie contracts out, it's about half a million a year. Yep. Pretty simple. You want to earn half a million a year plus play by the rules, and the rules are don't do drugs. I mean, how stupid are you? How friggin' stupid are you? I mean. If look, a lot of people do drugs to to um, to ease social awkwardness, anxiety, feel better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. These young athletes, athletes are, you know, they've got the world at their feet, and and sure, some of them have issues, and and I understand that, but for a lot of them, it's wanting your cake and eating it too. Like, fucking grow up, honestly. Seriously, grow up. Uh, every t- I'll, I'll give you an idea of how a football fan feels about drug, about players using drugs, right? If there's an article that says, and, and when this first came out about Joel Smith, the article, the first article actually said a player who was in a Victorian club that was in the finals has tested positive to drugs. Did you see that? No, I didn't. So, I, I that, must admit I didn't know. Yeah, so the early report was it was either Carlton Collingwood, Melbourne or St Kilda. So I'll give you an idea how football fans feel. When you see an article, player testing positive, you know, player caught in or or player test positive for drugs, what's the first thing you think? Always. I'll tell you what it is. I hope it's not for my team. Yeah. Please don't be St Kilda. Please don't be St Kilda. Hey, I'm an Essendon supporter. How do you reckon I feel? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm saying when when you hear that, when you hear a headline, Brian, you know, drug scandal for a player, you hope it's not from your team, don't you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which means that you expect from your players at your team that you support, you put the membership in, you put all the passion in, you expect them to play by the rules and not bring the club into disrepute and drag the club's name through the mud. Absolutely. Um, for five hundred thousand dollars a year, I wouldn't even have a beer for five hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, yeah. But they're they're letting so many people down by doing it, just by being selfish. And as you said, doing coke. What a wanky thing to do. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. When you're a league footballer, you're about to go out and play in front of sixty thousand people. Get a high out of that, mate. 
because the rest yeah. of the world would the rest of the world would, 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 you know swap ounces of coke to be playing league football and you're willing to wash it all down the drain you know because you want a bit more yeah it's an interesting the, deci- it's an interesting decision to have made isn't it because you know some of them just have to grow up yeah you know when you do it the ramifications of what you're doing there, there there's no there's no gray area if you yeah. if you take this you are going to run the risk of being caught and if you are caught this is what will happen to you and there's no there's no kind of wishy-washy thing about it no. now that's not to say that players that have played football some have had drug problems that are deeply psych- deeply embedded in mental health issues like I know Gravin Krasiska very well as you yes know. yes and he was he wasn't out doing party drugs when he played football he had a drug addiction right throughout his football career that was based in always feeling different, you know, basically getting out the front door. Now, now he turned to drugs and, you know, he's now completely, as you know, turned his life around. He works in, in the field of drug rehabilitation. But, but that's very different to, you know, the, the excess of doing coke at a party a couple of days before a game you know, end-of-season trips or whatever it is, whatever you're doing. Um, I'll tell you this much, there's not many 22-year-olds 20, without without tertiary degrees earning half a million a year. In fact, there's not many there's not many people with tertiary degrees earning half a million a year. Yeah, they're, on C, they're on CEO money behaving like the CEO's spoiled kids. That's yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, no, that's a very good, that's a very good call. Very good call. All right. Uh, let's move on from that uh, to the footy tips. Oh, but didn't you want to do the new segment? What's the new segment? Well, for our fans in Ethiopia, <laughs> right. I thought we should do a little bit of, well, you know, just a, a quick segment, but what's new in Ethiopia? And I'll tell That's you That's a great why. name for the segment. You know why? Why? What's new? Because... One of the national dishes of Ethiopia is called what? Is that right? Yep. I knew that. That was fantastic. <laughs> yes, uh, their, 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 bread, their bread is called injera. It's this really weird bread. It's like a fermented spongy bread. Uh. And, you have, and you have what on it. What's what? <laughs> it's, it's like a, a spicy um, beef stew or curry. Oh, okay. It's quite, quite delicious. So there's the new segment, What's What in Ethiopia. And, and hang on, yeah. but there's the question I want to ask and people can get on the Facebook and answer the question, but why is Ethiopia's Abiy Ahmed demanding access to the sea? Now, we want to find this out, and that concludes tonight's episode of What's On in Ethiopia. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> See if that Survives into next week's program. Uh, <laughs> now, there's now while we're speaking of drugs and while we're speaking of uh, testing and all those things. See, see, I did that. Well. I, I'm, yep. What are you doing? Finally, I'm having a, I'm having a, an epileptic Mate. fit watching you move your your camera around. You're freaking me out. I hope that was his finger. Sorry, I'm back. Yeah, so do I. Right now, um, speaking of all those <laughs> things about about drugs and about uh, testing and about all that, um, on the back of this week's footy tips from the yeah. AFLW yep. round eight, 
there is going to be some drug testing. Yeah, I think things are pear-shaped. Because several teams clearly in the AFLW tank this week in an effort to give Brian a better result. <laughs> the fix was in. It started early yep. when Hawthorne beat oh, Richmond no. by a point. Yep. It, it continued when, in deep in Saturday afternoon, when finally still hadn't actually chalked up a winner, um, when Port Adelaide and uh, Gold Coast drew to yep. give Finey's first wow. point for the weekend yeah, and almost his only point for the weekend. And I shouldn't yep. be sprouting off too much about it because it wasn't until that Gold Coast game that I had any points either, by which stage Brian had clocked up three out of four. He. Having only missed terrible. on the Adelaide game, which we all missed on. But uh, here's the wash-up from the weekend. Uh, a weekend of upsets, I would feel, when uh, when West Coast Eagles beat Essendon. West Coast Eagles have won one game all year. They win their second game and th- there you go, they beat Essendon and we all pick Essendon. So, Mr. Fine. Yep. Two. Yep. And that includes... And, 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 and not really because one of them's a draw. Yeah, well, that includes the one point we give you for the draw. Hillier. Yep. Two. That includes the one point we give you for the draw. Yep. Mannix. Seven. Hey! <laughs> this is a fucking disaster. Oh, it, oh, oh, it gets worse. Uh, so yep. here's here's the podium as it now sits. Taking oh, no. <laughs> taking the bronze medal with a score of forty three yep. is Hillier. Yep. Taking the silver medal with a score of forty five is Fine. Oh no! Oh! <laughs> taking the gold medal with a score of forty six is Mannix. Hey, how about me? <laughs> let me let me quote a line from one of my favourite movies, Miller's Crossing. Up is down, black is white. You're a regular Mr. Inside Outski. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. <laughs> well, there it is. Numerically, Brian Mannix sits on top of the ladder on 46, finally on 45, and me at last on 43. Bloody hell. Wait. Yeah. We're going to need a bigger boat. Chiefy, we are, Chiefy. We're going to need a bigger bigger room to put your oh, great Chiefy. big fat head through the way you uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, until the sun comes up tomorrow, I'm not sure what's happening. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the world, the end is nigh. Seven. If I'm winning the footy tipping, then, yeah, you're probably right. Seven on a weekend when I think most people might have got three or four tops, but uh, yeah. seven. Open up open up the deathalyzer. I want to jump in. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> our tips have been put in there. Don't worry, Finey. Let's get through uh, this week's tips and see if Brian can keep his stellar little roll going here. And there's a big, yep. there's a massive game coming up in the middle of this round. Uh, now let's start with you, Brian. Gold Coast versus GWS Friday night at Heritage Bank Stadium there on the Gold Coast. Gold Coast. The Gold Coast. What do you call them? Do you call them the Sun the Daughters? daughters. That's the Gold right. Coast Daughters. Right, yeah, they're beauty. Finding Gold Coast or GWS. GWS. I'll be damned if I let. I'm not letting this bloke stay ahead. Yep, <laughs> me neither. I'm going GWS. Melbourne take on Fremantle. Melbourne who, who made minced meat out of uh, the kangaroos. Uh, Brian, Melbourne or Fremantle? 
Where is it being played, Kev? It's being played at Casey Fields, which is the home of the Melbourne uh, slash Casey Demons football. Ah, yeah, club. Melbourne. Melbourne for Brian. Fine. I knew it. I knew he'd come out. I knew it. I knew it. See, now he's getting sensible. Yeah, uh, now he's, oh, he's protecting his lead. He is. Oh, <laughs> <you>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no more stupid. Oh well. Oh well. The, the you know satins in the in the orbit of Uranus, and because I've got to, I've got to finish Uranus, as I'll go for Frio. Yeah. Now we're getting the real tips. <laughs> Which, by the way, was your downfall in the men's competition? Correct. I'm back. So the, so only you reason, go down, the only reason one hundred fifty-one on the Ethiopian podcast list is because of my informative information about the AFL Exactly. There's some heavy betting going on on sports bet <laughs> from Ethiopia every week on Brian's tips. Mind you, Ethiopia officially declared bankrupt on the weekend um, because they tip they pick what you don't pick, Brian. But anyway, they might change this way. Are you going for Melbourne, Finey, against Freo? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. am I. Uh, St Kilda will play Brisbane at uh, Dunham Rabin at RSCA Park. On Saturday afternoon, Brian, St Kilda or Brisbane? Brisbane can't win a trick this year. Nah, St Kilda. Saints, Finey, Saints. Right. I'm going for Brisbane. Brisbane. <laughs> Jesus is getting serious now, isn't it? It's getting strategic now. <laughs> Who are you going for, Kevin? <laughs> I'm going for Brisbane. They beat Adelaide last week and I was much surprised by that, so they must be a fairly reasonable team. So we've all gone Brisbane. So I'm down for Brisbane, right? Yep, you are. Uh, Essendon and Carlton at Windy Hills, uh, though it's been singular this week on the sheet, it's down to a Windy Hill. Uh, that's on Saturday afternoon at 3.05. Essendon or Carlton, Brian, you going for your Bombers? I'll go for the Windy Hill ears. The Bombers. Uh, <laughs> Finey? Carlton. Carlton. Uh, I'm going to go for Essendon. Uh, we have West Coast and Western Bulldogs. Here we go. The Doggies haven't won a game yet. Uh, and uh, West Coast won their second game of the year uh, on the weekend, uh, beating Essendon. So they're at home for this one against the Western Bulldogs. I'll go the Doggies, Finey. I've got to be honest. I'm going to be honest here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Brian, you really are not winning this competition. <laughs> in reality, in reality, Kevin's actually shooting on both of us because out of some... <laughs> He's tipped them every week. They haven't won a game and he keeps tipping them because he's a loyal Bulldog supporter. Yeah, I am. And he's obviously got some and he's obviously angling for some MC work next year no, at the kennel and no, doesn't want to No, not at all. <laughs> oh, no. Come no. on, you couldn't tip those. They're hopeless. They're not they're he's, not playing well, I admit. They got Eagles, they got Eagles to kick the switch. Okay. They got flogged last week by the. I'm saying, but I'm, I'm being honest. You really, if if you weren't beholden to the doggies, you'd be winning this. Quarter. Well, yeah, I've, I've lost. I've, I've, I'm down seven points. <laughs> yeah, you're a bulldogs <laughs> extremist. Yeah, well, I am. Yeah, no, that's probably a fair a fair point. Uh, yeah. What are you What are you tipping, Brian? West Coast or the Western Bulldogs? Um, I'm sorry, Kev, but I'm going for the Eagles. Okay, it's all right. I'm not upset. Richmond played Geelong. The Cats got done too on uh, the weekend. They played Icon Park on Saturday afternoon. Sorry, Saturday night at seven fifteen. Uh, I'll stick with the Cats. Finey, I'll go for the oh, tough one. I'll go for the Cats. Cats and Brian Richmond or Geelong. 
Well, I was going to go for the Cats, but since you guys are going for the Cats, I'll go for the Tigers. Okay. Sydney take on Collingwood, Henson Park, uh, where the Muppets play Sunday afternoon at 1.05. Brian, Sydney or Collingwood? Collingwood. I'm going for Sydney. Finey? Sydney and Sydney are flying. Yeah, they, they are. 14, 13. Yeah, I know. They that's, like, that's like 38, 50 in the men's. Yes. I'll go for Sydney. Hey, guys. Yep. Guys, who's winning the competition, all right? Yep. Trust me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> a, week, a week's a long time in tipping. It's a frigging lifetime <laughs> even, in your tipping. Hey, even a broken clock right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> Adelaide take on the Kangaroos. Both upset, uh, both uh, strangely lost on the weekend. This is at Wigan Oval. Where the hell's Wigan Oval? Must be in Adelaide North somewhere. Um, Adelaide and Kangaroos. Brian? I like the Crows on this one. Okay, Adelaide. Mr Fine? The Crows. Adelaide. I like the Kangaroos. I'm going to go the Kangaroos. Hawthorne, Port Adelaide, last game of the round. Kinetic Stadium on Sunday afternoon at 5.05. Gold medal winning uh, tipster, who do you go for? Um, Kinetic Stadium. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, it's a stadium made out of kinetics. And where will, might that be located? Right next door to the Kinetic Avenue. Are you going to rock down to Kinetic, Kinetic Avenue? Avenue. Yeah, on, <laughs> Eddie, Grant. Eddie Grant lives. There you go. Uh, no, he doesn't, actually. He was in the death of three years ago. Was he? Oh, um, there you go. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's gone. Pity he wasn't but dead. God, God bless him. <laughs> um, well, Kinetic, where, where is it? Who's what? playing? I forgot. Hawthorne and Port Adelaide. Doesn't matter where they play. It's a ground force. Oh, the, sticks Hawks, up one the end Hawks are on a roll. The Hawks are on a roll. They're okay. great. Hawks, Mr. Fine. Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? It is. It is a very tough one. Who did Hawthorne play last week? They beat Richmond, Richmond. by a point. And yeah, I'll uh, go for Port Adelaide. What did, who did they play last week? They, they played drew the Gold, the Gold Coast. Coast. Yeah, they drew. I'll go for Port. You going for Port? And so will I. All right. So there we go. So uh, you've got 30 seconds to gloat, Brian, and then we're finishing the tips. Off you go. Well, to our friends in Ethiopia and Kenya, um, I hope this uh, sports report has been valuable to you and with your gambling and uh, just just your enjoyment of the sport. But we are thinking of you God bless you, and we love you. Thirty seconds up. Open the open it up, Brian. Here we go. We got five to put in this week. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five. Ladies and gentlemen, now it's time for the death of life. And on the tee at the age of eighty-three, Ivor Robson from Scotland. Yes, poor, poor old Ivor, who was the man who was the uh, uh, hole one tea announcer uh, for the uh, for the Open at St Andrews, uh, unfortunately passed away. He's been the voice of the British Open since 1975 and he's the man who stands there and introduces the players just before they hit off on the first hole up until a couple of years ago and uh, he passed away at the age of 83, Ivor Robson. And... And I've got to say, and I think I speak for both of us, Brian, mm. the least known and least important person we've ever put on the death analyzer. 
Oh, no, 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 that's unfair because, no, he had a role and a lot of people knew what he was. The players were very friendly with him. They used to like the way he used to – he always he was, did very straight. And they, he's he's been, the first, well, but he's he's the Collingwood State is on the first tee from uh, – on the first tee from the United States, Justin Leonard. Yeah, correct. But he helped the I mean, players watch well, that's their like balls. Well, that's like Craig Willis at the grand final, you know, when he did, when the medals are being handed out. It was, out, like, he goes, it was like me at the A me at the A League. No one's putting me in the death eliza. Number thirty five, uh, Daniel Bradshaw, said Craig. <laughs> you know, he used to do that. Yeah. It's a it's a I did it for the Melbourne victory. I'm sure you've done it for. Western Bulldogs AFLW team. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I have not. Um, I tell you what, I don't like when you go to the footy now and they do the, every player's number and go through. I hate that at the footy. I yeah, get it in basketball boring, when there's only five, like there is in basketball, and they announce the starting fives. That's okay. And even in soccer, when there's only eleven, yeah. and you announce and you put the players up, and they go yeah. number eleven, da, 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 and do that. That's pretty. When you go through twenty-four blokes on each bloody side. It's bloody. But I love when they do it and they expect like a, a raw for each player, yep. you know. But then then they, they'll they go like um, number nine, the captain, Jack Steele, right, and they'll build it up, build it up. Yep. Number 10, Machito Owens, and they'll be a, a big cheer and then they'll be a subdued number 11, Today's sub under club. Number 12. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they give a half announcement to the sub. Yep, yep. Because, yes, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. And it's painful because there's so many of them. You get away with it in the smaller sports. I understand that, but don't don't be doing it in footy. Ke- Kev, where was uh, – what was his name again? Ivy. Ivor Robson. Now, where Ivor was Bigger. he from? Where was he from? Scotland. And what's the show rating like in Scotland? Do we know? No, I haven't got any figures for Scotland. I'm not. No, we don't. Have to, we don't have to be polite then. I, okay, I, fine. I'm not. I'm not sure they get podcasting there. I'm not sure. It might be a little, little, <laughs> little dry. Bit too on. cold. Yeah. All right. Now this one, Brian, I know uh, will have upset you when you uh, would have seen that this bloke died because I know it's one of your favourite films and he was uh, he was bloody brilliant in it and that's Bert Young who passed away at the age of 83. He, of course, was Rocky's Paulie in Rocky. Paulie, Paulie. Oh. And did a lot of other well, very good films. What? What's wrong with you, Paulie? What's up? You just want a job. Why don't you say so? Hey, listen, you Yeah, yeah, no, I'll get him mixed up with Mickey. But, no, he was terrific. Um, great character, great actor. And, he, and I think he was the hitman... Or the the bodyguard for Rodney Dangerfield in Back to School. Um, I did a lot of no, films. No, no, I, I really enjoyed his work. No, that's that is sad. Hayden Gwynn uh, died at the age of sixty six. She was in Drop the Dead Donkey and uh, The Crown, uh, award winning English actress. I, I've not watched Drop the Dead Donkey or The Crown, so I wasn't aware of her work. But I saw um, social media reporting very heavily that um, people were incredibly. Sad at her passing at the relatively young age of 66. At least Bert and Ivor got 83 years out of theirs. Um, from the soccer world, Sir Bobby Charlton passed away at the age of 86. 106 English caps, 49 goals, which is pretty bloody good from 106 games. Um, 
probably uh, in the in the golden era of Manchester United with Georgie Best and Dennis Law. He was he was it. Um, he uh, he made funnily enough he made his debut for Manchester United against Charlton, um, and uh, he was in that 1958 plane crash that took I think eight of the uh, of the Manchester United first eleven. Uh, died in that plane crash. He was pulled from the wreckage um, and survived, and then ca- went on to to captain the side and uh, and take them to. Uh, I think they won every trophy there was to win in that in the golden era of of uh, Man United from the early sixties right through until he actually finished his playing days, his professional playing days, playing here in Australia, which I only realised when I read about him. A couple of bits I read about him today. Um, I think he played in Perth and in uh, and in Sydney. Uh, played for Perth, Azuri over in Perth, and played in Sydney, uh, and scored his last goal for uh, I think it was Blacktown in Sydney. So uh, a celebrated career, uh, Sir Bobby Charlton's obviously very heavily recognised in the UK for his contribution to world soccer. It's the Sir Bobby Charlton stand at Old Trafford, I think, is named oh, clearly named after him. So one of the one of the greats, Finey Sir Bobby Charlton. Yeah, I never really saw him play. Word on the street was that he's one of the all-time great English players, so I shall not contradict that and assume that he was a brilliant player. But I never really saw him, to be honest. Yeah, and his brother, his brother was a very good player too, Jackie Charlton. So Eddie. Uh, oh, not sorry. Eddie Charlton, <laughs> wrong Charlton family. Uh, and uh, the final one to go into the uh, deathalizer, Bill Hayden passed away at the age of ninety. A uh, Governor General of this country for many years, uh, was the leader of the Labor Party um, and famously said that a drover's dog could lead the party to the next election. He was the leader uh, uh, of the party but uh, stepped down and Bob Hawke took the leadership and then took the Labor Party uh, into uh, into government. Uh, but uh, was, from all reports, a fairly decent human being, Bill Hayden, which is not something that is said um, in loving terms by both sides of Parliament about Politicians, uh, but uh, was uh, was given some lovely um, uh, words about him uh, in the papers across the weekend from uh, actually from both sides of Parliament, which is quite rare, to be honest. That he was actually a decent human being. So at the age of ninety, Bill Hayden passed away. And but that- it does again remind you that in politics, if you want to be spoken well of by both sides of politics, die. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's unfortunate. That's that's. Uh, 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 he, he, he made way for Bob Hawke to get to be yeah. the representative, didn't he? And yep. that was quite magnanimous of him. Oh, I well, think. Made way is probably an exaggeration. I think there was the you know how the factions fight in political parties. I think it was sort of nah. made, it was fairly much made clear to him that if he didn't move on, he probably would have been pushed. But he did. He did move on, and um, that would have been that would have been hard. Yeah, no, he was well. He would have won the election. I don't think they won the election by a massive amount, but. Bob was uh, Bob was the people's champion, and uh, uh, he led the party. And Bill continued. He was he was sort of behind what is now our public health system. I think um, in the early days of the formation of what was what was it called? It was it called Medibank first or Medicare first? It was Medibank, wasn't it? I think. Um, yeah, Medibank. Yeah, yeah right. he he believed in he believed in that. I think he introduced the single women the pension for single women. Um, good for him for single mums. So uh, yeah, he did. He did. He did some very good things in his time. So oh, good. good on him. Well, well done, Bill. All right, Brian, con- close it up, ladies and gentlemen. That concludes tonight's episode of the Death Eliza. All right, 
Let's get on to our three great leaders. On, on the back of uh, Bobby Charlton and, uh, and uh, Bill Hayden, who were leaders of men in, in various ways, I thought, let's, let's find three captains, three leaders of men that you might have. Finey, as always, you're opening the batting. Well, I'm actually going to NPO this. What's NPO mean? No particular order. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's fair enough too. That's probably a good idea with this one. Yeah, so I've got three great leaders, three different sports. Yep. And I'm going to start with could easily be number one. So, so yeah, no particular order. They're yep. all number one. Yeah, I agree. That's a good, good way of doing it. Cameron Smith of the Melbourne Storm. An absolute, look, that club needed, came through the, obviously, the dramas of when he was there, but came through the dramas of the salary cap. A champion player, a superstar leader who led by example, Mr Indestructible. I was lucky enough to do two years of radio with Cam. He did the Melbourne Storm show with me. Also a magnificent bloke, modest, but, you know, you'd, you'd fall in line behind him and the team did. Simply one of the great captains of one of the great teams in the history of this state. So Cam Smith, no problems. Yep, yep. Uh, and and I'll, I'll just say this. Uh, still to this day, I think, and I know they cheated the salary cap and that they were, you know, over and all that sort of stuff, but... Um, and they were stripped of those premierships, but they were one of the best rugby league sides I've ever seen. And I've watched a lot of uh, State of Origin and, and been enthralled by that, and that's been riveting to watch. But as a, in terms of a team to watch, and they still are, the Melbourne Storm uh, are a great team to watch, but under Cameron Smith, you're right, they were, they were just bloody – they were fantastic. And he made the Cooper Cronks and Billy Slaters and those people – even better players than they would have been because of what, how good a player he was. Yep, he was everything: the leader, the champion, and the great representative, and the and the the man without stain. I'll tell you what; he was also probably the best dummy half I've ever seen in rugby league, and that is such a, a an integral position in terms of setting your team up for attack. He he was yeah. the best I've ever seen. Yep, yeah, he was. You know, yeah, that's Terrific. he was the. He was the engine room. Yep, yep, couldn't agree more. Good choice. Brian. Yeah, good call, good call uh, Finey. Um, look, you know, it's pretty obvious for me to say this, but, you know, it needs to be said. Kevin Sheedy, you know, premiership player for Richmond, premiership coach for Essendon, really, you know, rebuilt our club. But I think probably... You know, and I think we've spoken about this before, Kev, that what makes a great Australian, you know, and I think Kev's done enough in the sporting world to make him a great sporting icon. But what he did for reconciliation and, um, you know, with Michael Long and his pursuit of Aboriginal football players, which now is just half of the course, I just think he's been a wonderful Australian, an inspiration, and he thinks outside the box. And, um, you know, who else is going to say forward line become the back line, back line become the forward line, always had a plan B, fantastic. Kevin Sheedy. Got an interesting mind, hasn't he, when you talk to him? He, he sees things mm. in a different way to, uh, you know, I mean, it's a mathematical um, thing that he does when he does his talks. 
about um, you know uh, the, the the percentages of winning a grand final and all those things. It's quite it's quite fascinating. He's got a, oh, he's got a different bent on on looking at things, different different set of lenses. And when you talk to him, he's probably more interested in learning about you. Oh yeah, and yeah, or you know he'll be pushing you know some point or a book he's got, but. Um, He's very good at listening to people, and I think that's probably what makes him such a, a great, um, great, great Australian, and certainly a great sporting icon. Yeah, yep. Now, speaking of sporting icons, my number, well, my one of my three, and I agree with Finey, they should all be on equal footing here. From uh, from a sport that uh, until until this bloke did what he did, I don't think we paid terribly much attention to it. We we did when it happened, but we didn't. Uh, we didn't. Embrace it by any stretch of the imagination, but this series of races and this series of um, events and the way that the team that this bloke had was put together, the way they went about uh, winning, um, the drama that was involved in the actual series of races. I got John Bertrand um, uh, and uh, his ability to lead that team of people and put it all together and come up with the wing cue with Ben Lexon and get Alan Bond's money and use it um, the way it probably hadn't been used usefully before. Um, to put that whole thing together and uh, and to finish up beating Dennis Connor and uh, and winning the America's Cup I thought was one of the great uh, great inspiring leadership stories and great Australian stories of, of all time in, in sports. So I have John Bertrand as, uh, as one of my three. So I'll go to AFL football because yep. our hearts are beat strong there. Yep. I was looking for a captain, not a coach, and I could not go past Michael Voss. <laughs> he's, a, he's on my list, but he didn't make didn't make the cup. But yeah, he's good. I mean, he was he was. I mean, captains in some people's mind, in Grant Thomas's mind, all the captain of the football team did was toss the coin. But that is wrong because a great captain, and I, I ended up winnowing it down between Voss and Luke Hodge, are on-field coaches, especially in the modern game when, when really the coach sits back for most of the game and can't have a huge say in what goes on. But a superstar player, triple premiership captain and star who in – Every sense of the word embodied how a captain can lift a football team. Now, I know they had a lot of great players, but uh, I would argue that they wouldn't have won three in a row without his leadership. He was the the champion leading force and, in my time, the best and most successful ladder of any league footballer, so Michael Voss. Yeah, good choice. No argument from me on uh, his ability to lead Men into battle and and uh, and do what uh, probably surprising in the way they didn't get a fourth one. Um, they probably should have. Uh, Mister Mannix. Well, it's probably a boring choice, but having just finished watching the series, and I've always been a big fan of him, um, David Beckham. Like you know, fair dinkum, he's he's almost as big as football itself. You know, and. Um, you know, you sign him up, it costs you $250 million. He'll sell that in merchandise in three days. Um, but 
you know, I, I hadn't really watched a lot of him play. I'd seen, you know, the super goal and, and you know, seen stuff that he did and I knew he could pinpoint the ball and stuff. But, gee, some of his footwork and stuff. And um, I think to be a brand that big, wow, that's pretty special. So Dave Beckham for me. Um, I'm going to go for a bloke from Rugby League, uh, not Cam Smith as much as I uh, absolutely admire Cam Smith and I've seen a lot of great Rugby League. Rugby League's a funny game too. It's, captains have a, I think have a bigger impact in many ways in, on, in a Rugby League scenario because obviously there's less blokes. But also, um, there seems that because of the stops stoppage of the of the game, you can see captains do things in rugby league that you don't get to see them do in other games. This bloke uh, was the captain of the first ever Queensland State of Origin team, and to kind of put all that together and have the weight of the state, and he was at the end of his playing day, so he wasn't at the the peak of his playing powers by any stretch of the imagination. He'd been a great player. Um, uh, and he played for New South Wales, and he'd, he'd been a great player. But he came back to um, to to captain the, the Queensland team in the in the first of the state of origin things. And there was so much so much pressure on that Queensland team because the Queensland team that had been played before that, which was you know all the local blokes, because all the big names went to um, went to New South Wales to play and finished up playing for New South Wales. The pressure on those blokes to actually perform and and it, for it to be good football and all the things that that were riding on it, which we now know 40 years later, it's, it's you know, the biggest thing possible. Um, Artie Beetson was the captain of that first State of Origin team and he uh, and he played like he was a 19-year-old again. And because of him, I think Wally Lewis became a great captain seeing what Artie had done. So it kind of it, – it snowballed from there for Queensland for a number of years and they were, you know, dominated that uh, that State of Origin series in the early days. But Artie Beetson, he was he, – he picked he picked the whole state up and took it on his back and, and ran it across the line for the for first of that State of Origin series and that was one of the one of the great captains things I've ever seen. He was certainly not at that stage, you know, in the probably the best 20 players in the, in the country, but by Jesus, did he, um, did he pick it up and lead them? That time, uh, so he's my he's my second one. Your third one, finding. So you know, having fulfilled this role at lower levels for many many years, I always feel that the captain of a cricket team is, you know, it, he really is the coach, the strategist. He pulls the moves on field from field settings to bowling changes. You know. And then has the responsibility to lead by example, and yeah, it's a it's a thinking man's job. So I was always going to include a cricketer. Yep. So who's the greatest captain I have seen in my time? Ooh. And doesn't have to be in my time. It doesn't have to be in my time. No. Mm, I, believe Bill, I believe Bill O'Reilly was once asked, um, "Was Bradman Bradman had the best?" Test record as a captain for Australia, and he said, "Was he was asked, was Bradman a brilliant captain?" And he said, "No." And they said, "Well, how comes he had such a great record?" He said, "Because he had a bloke called Bradman playing for him." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, helps. Um, but he so so then I went through the Australian captains, and there were many, many good ones. Don't get me wrong; Ian Chappell stands out as an attacking. Positive captain. 
probably the most underrated captain because I think we've had some bad captains. I don't really like Patrick Cummins. Uh, no. I don't. Here, here, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I thought Mark Taylor was a very good captain. Yep. I thought the most underrated captain we had, the one that really was the most innovative and understand the tempo of a game, was Michael Clark. I thought he was an excellent captain. I don't think Ponting was a brilliant captain. Um, Steve War, I think Steve War probably was a great captain, but again, he had such a great team. I'm not yeah. certain. And maybe Alan Border was the best of the lot of them. Because he had a shit team. Mm. And he yeah, had to and build he was them able up. To elevate, was able to elevate yeah. them. But then again, if you're going to take over a team, you want them to be shit. You don't want to take over a great team. You've got nowhere yeah, to go to drown. <laughs> so tricky. But I ended up going overseas because, you see, this player, first of all, is a superstar, but he actually changed the mentality of a team that I think was forever damned to never be a proper team. I'm talking about Virat Kohli. You see, oh. Indian cricket Indian cricket was always about the individual and as good as Tendulkar and Gavaskar was and others, um, you know, Ganguly, India and their supporters were more interested. They were happier if Tendulkar made 200 than the team actually winning. But Virat Kohli was almost um, obsessed with how Australians were a ferocious team. And India now is very much, you see India play Australia, it's very much the one team that plays hard like we do. So he turned a team, first of all, they became the best team in the world under Virat Kohli. And he did have Virat Kohli because he was a brilliant player. <laughs> but but he, he's got a brilliant team, but they are for the first time a unified Indian cricket team. And, you know, you only need to ask some of the overseas coaches, including Greg Chappell, who tried to harness Indian cricket. I think it was – I think Chappell spent time in India, didn't he? Yeah, was he it? did. He certainly did. Yeah, and, and he was never able to – Crack the code of the cult of in the individuals compared to having a team that played well together. But finally, Vera Kohli did that, and I love the way I love and I love watching him. I love how much pleasure he actually gets when other players do well, and how involved he is in the game. Some people find him aggravating. I found I find him brilliant, and a very good sport as well. You know, he, he often shares a moment with players from the other team if they do really well. I think he's respectful of good cricket and he's great and he and he loves test cricket. He loves all forms of cricket. He just loves cricket and I love him and he's my best captain I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it's a, a terrific uh, terrific summation of that and that's exactly what happened. He was he, And I watched him last night playing against New Zealand and he, um, he took a really good catch, which they hadn't been taken. They dropped about three – they dropped three sitters – um, and he took a really good catch and, and uh, very nonchalantly just sort of walked up and threw it down. But then when someone else took catch, he was really – he was wrapped. He was uh, delighted for him. So um, you're right, he, uh, he is very much a team player, which you probably wouldn't think. But he yeah, is. people don't think he is, but he really is. And yeah. he's also a good captain. Tactically, he's very sound. Yep. Yep. Uh, and they always were – they always had brilliant players, but they, couldn't, they never won anything. Never yeah, well, I didn't care. The fans were there to see 
the individuals perform. Yep. But that goes. He, Australia, he Australianised the team. Yeah, that goes back to Sonny Gavaska, back to his days, um, yep. chasing the red ink. Uh, Brian, your third one to join Kevin Sheedy and David Beckham. Um, I'm going to go for Muhammad Ali. Um, I think the only reason I ever got interested in boxing was because of Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay. We had a, we got a dog, and and you know, you know, it was the '60s. So just give me a break here, but it was a a black sort of Labrador sort of dog, and Cassius Clay won, I think, the Olympic gold medal that day that we got him. So we called the dog Cassius. Um, but so. I was always very conscious of Cassius Clay and Muhammad Ali and um, I think he lost the world title about a month or two after Elvis died. It just seemed like a devastating year for me because my champions were going. But I think he did a lot, a bit like Sheedy, did a lot for um, racial harmony and he was he was very good. He was a showman. He was terrific and I love showmen. But um, I also like the stand that he took over the Vietnam War. And um, so I think his greatness goes beyond just his boxing ability. I think he united, he not helped unite a country. He made a stand against stuff. And so he's my number one. Okay. Muhammad Ali joins Sheedy Beckham and Muhammad Ali. Finally, is uh, Cameron Smith, Michael Voss. And Vidat Kohli, mine's John Bertrand, Artie Beetson. And I, I, I've left, there's so many uh, great leaders. In the end, I agonised over the cricket one and I couldn't couldn't put anyone. I'm a big admirer of Steve War as a captain. Um, I, know he had a, I know he had a brilliant team, but he brought to that team a, uh, a patience that, that most cricket doesn't have and that we didn't have as a team. We're a very impatient cricket team, but he brought a – a patience. He had a plan. I, I always liked watching. I loved Alan Border as a captain, and I was such an Ian Chapel fan. So I agonised over the cricket. But in the end, I finished up going back to my roots and um, to to my childhood uh, sporting hero, because because of, of recent years, I've spent a lot of time, uh, you know, doing MC jobs for the for the doggies. But in the past players, so I've been in the past players, and I've spent a lot of time around blokes who played with Ted Whitten. And and I saw obviously a fair bit of Ted Whitten. I didn't see a lot of him because I was in Queensland uh, for much of uh, his playing days, and, and too young for a lot of his playing days. Uh, you know, I'm a bit fair bit younger than him. Um, but what I did see, and then what I heard afterwards, and what I've been hearing a lot in the last few years, when when the older blokes get up and tell their stories about their days, is just what a an inspirational human being he was, as well as an inspirational player. Just the things he would do off the ground with blokes, and then what he would do during training runs, and the and the things he would say to blokes that, that they've been sharing over the, the last couple of years through you know the Two Dogs podcast that I do, and just through being in a room with them and having a chat, and we do interviews on stage and that. And I just he's grown so much, and I obviously met him and spent time with him and uh, and got to know him reasonably well um, uh, just before he died, and. Um, Never got that sense about him. He didn't talk about it. He didn't tell any of those stories. It's uh, stories that other blokes are telling me now about the things that he did for them and things that he did around the club and all that. And I thought, well, and, and almost to a man, I would say, that I've spoken to about, would walk over hot coals and do anything. If he if he said do this 
And they even say today, if Ted said you need to do it, I did it. If Ted said to do that, I did it. So as, in terms of as a leader of men, there's not many better, mm. I don't think, that I've heard talked about, uh, you know, and it's, it's very easy when a bloke's past you can go, oh, yeah, everyone thinks he's a nice bloke, but he actually was an arsehole or whatever. Um, and I'm not saying he was an angel because he certainly wasn't, but in terms of those group of blokes and what they would do for him, don't uh, haven't haven't been exposed to a lot of people who would uh, make the same sacrifices that they'd be willing to make um, for that man. So Ted Whitten Senior is uh, is is my third one. Good one. So there you I go. I like it. I like it too. No, and, and Did you, have shake your hand? you know you know what we didn't do. You know you know who it, and I didn't think any of us would have one in there. There's not an American sporting leader in any of the things that we've we mentioned there. You know the, well, I mean, the Dick, Dick Butkus. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> yeah, how did how did you not get Dick in there? Uh, I mean, if we, if, I reckon if we were big basketball fans, we would have found a couple of big names: a Phil Jackson or a Kobe Bryant or uh, you know, perhaps a Michael Jordan. Yeah, the Magic Johnson, one of those I imagine. Uh, yeah, um, and you know, I, I looked at a couple of lists today and. Frank Beckenbauer, the the West German soccer captain, he's he's lauded as yeah. someone who uh, who was fantastic. I, I think Tom I think, Brady. Well, in the yeah. NFL. Well, Bill Belichick, who's his coach, um, is probably should be up there as well. Yeah. Um, o- OJ Simpson, you seen OJ Simpson play footy? Wow! Did he play football? Did he? I thought he was just well known for being a murderer. Oh, he's known for his murdering, <laughs> yes. and he's very good at that too. Yes. Um, but <laughs> but I watched this doco on him. And the whole game plan is give the ball to OJ. Yeah. And it just is, is amazing. See, American football's interesting one for me because, I mean, I'm a, a huge uh, Joe Montana fan and I, I like watching Dan Marino and Tom Brady, obviously, is and Patrick Mahomes, I think, is, is really good. But, yeah, it's because it's, it's a funny game, it, it, it doesn't seem to be the same. And because you've got an offensive team and a defensive team and, you know. Yeah. It's too of, much stopping and starting. They kind of part when, like the waters, don't they? And no one has anything to do with anyone else or it's a weird, weird game. If you watch the highlights of it, it's great because you yep. get all of the – I agree. But, yeah, other than that, okay. Yep. So uh, there, there you go. That's uh, that's that, boys. All right. Are you, uh, there was one that was very close for me, by the way. Who was that? Sherelle McMahon. Ah, so we, that's the other thing I, I should probably – we haven't got a female in there. Yeah, she was a great, you know, great story, just a little fighter. Yep. The most ferocious determined, you know, I was very fortunate to have her on the show a few times. Yep, and, no, she's a lovely, lovely human being, Sherelle. Yeah, I, you know what struck me is she was captain of the Australian netball team, right? Best – arguably, you know, one of the best players in the world. At the height of her powers, and I remember coming her coming to the studio in like a a, a, a Nissan Bluebird. I'm thinking there's something wrong here. She <laughs> drives like a ten year old car, and it's just this just ain't right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully uh, that that parody in those wages in some areas when they deserve it has been. Mind you, the the netball situation at the moment is that none of them have got contracts except for the ones in the national team. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's tricky because no. you know, yeah, tricky. Well, but sporting done fair, mate. Yeah, I know she's an absolute superstar, Cheryl McMahon. Michelle Tim's another one who's a very, very uh, feisty, good, good leader of uh, of 
of players. Lauren Jackson probably is would have been yeah, a superstar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, there's a lot. There's, I mean, on the uh, Tom Marr, the list I sent to Brian of you know possible people that you could think about. Tom Marr was on that list. I think he's a great coach for women's basketball. So, Sir Alex yeah. Ferguson. Oh yeah, Craig Bellamy. Yeah, well, there's. Um, if you want to go coaches, Craig Bellamy's got to be up there. My God, hasn't he got a great he record? Ange Postecoglou. Well, I think he's developing one right now. Oh, um, he's. He's taken yeah, he's, a he's taken a basket case of a football club and actually he's done exactly what um, uh, finally talked about Virat Kohli doing with the Indian cricket team. I think uh, we're seeing Ange do that with Spurs. Well, he's he's done it with every team that he's coached. He won Brisbane Raw, won about three or two uh, premierships under him. Then he went to Japan. He won there. Then he wins the Scottish League. Now he looks like he's going to win the Premier League. So, wow. Yes, it's interesting that he didn't get a mention, but, you know, there's too many, isn't there? Oh, he's on my yeah. list. He's on my list of the ones uh, that oh, I look, chose yeah. from. Uh, you know, but I had about a list of 50. But I think we, I think we, all, had, we all had Ben Rutten. Ah, <laughs> oh, please. Oh, I put that on the end of the list. He did a great job at it. I put that on the end of the list to Brian. I put a list, a list and sent it to Brian just right. to explain what the topic was. And then I get back a text from Brian saying, oh, yeah, that prick. And as for that Richmond bastard who came in after Sheedy, and then there was, oh, and I thought, oh, here we go. Matthew Knight, <laughs> here we John go. Worthfold, <laughs> poorly led for years. Uh, Oh, there you go. Say, it, Maybe, say it. Mate. What's that? Say it. What? You're leaving out one name. Who's that? Too soon? James Hurd? Oh, I knew you were going to say that. No, no. Look, I stuck by James Hurd all the way through all of the drug scandal. But then when he came back, he can't coach. He's a great player, but I didn't like his coaching at all. So, you know, I'm with you on that. <laughs> Yeah, that's, um, that's what yeah, I'm talking about. He's there rubbish. There you go. All right, boys. Okay. Uh, thank you. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, you had one, one more thing. The problem is one more thing. You did have one. You know, one more thing. You had one worse coach. The problem is he coached us. Fair enough. Tim Watson. Uh, I'm going to get <laughs> operated on tomorrow morning at eight thirty. So, so I'm not What's here happened? next week. Oh, uh, they want to stick uh, a camera up my uh, dick and have a look at my bladder. I was hoping um, we weren't going to get to this, but anyway. They're a bit worried about my bladder. Oh, uh, well, I'm not do- – hey, hang on, hang on. I'm not doing anything at 8.30. What channels are on? <laughs> well, the, the thing about it is, Barney – Dirty to the centre of the bride. There's been budget cutbacks. <laughs> Apparently they're going to use a GoPro. <laughs> so anyway, if I'm not dead next week, sample the death of lives thing. Kevin, okay. we'll see you next week. All right, we'll see how we go. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, he's not boasting. Brian's not boasting, but they took one oh. look at his old fella and said, "We may as well just go up there with a camcorder." <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the camera adds ten pounds, Brian. So the biggest you'll ever be. Well, actually, actually, when they do it, I'm oh, thinking. Oh no, don't, I'm, you don't, I'm thinking, don't, no, no, no one thinking, wants to hear that. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm saying. Can I get a still? But if they, if they, if if it's one of those ones now, I don't know if this is real or science fiction. But don't they they get like a spaceship <laughs> with like six people on board, and then they miniaturise it to, you know, Ra- some Raquel Welch is one of those people. Yeah, yeah, fantastic voyage, and like so, I'll be I'll be one of the six people in the tiny spaceship uh. travelling up. 
Brian's Longfellow. Oh, nice. Yeah, good. You know, yeah. the advertisement would say, you know, are you are you interested in tra- travelling the length of Brian's penis? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what? what I think is great about this too is that the <laughs> Queensland Health is paying for most of the footage. So we just have to film a few shots around it. We we can probably get a 10BA tax deduction from the government. We've got a feature film here. I don't think, hey, I think you're boasting by uh, calling it footy. Yeah. I think it's it's, yeah. it's more inking. Yes, yeah, so you're right. This is how the movie goes. We're in there and, of course, the problem with the, the scientifically miniaturised, molecularised spaceship yeah. is that, in 24 hours, it goes back to its normal size. So, you know, <laughs> the sort of countdown to the end of the movie is you've got to get us out of your penis. Yeah. Right. And that's where we right, finish okay. this podcast. Thank you for listening. It's been a great pleasure. And, uh, we'll I, have, I thought it already finished. We'll have the, conclu- we'll have the, the, we'll have the conclusion of this it's particular the episode. Of, and another thing ever. <laughs> we'll have the conclusion of this and what happens to Brian in next week's episode. Good night, John. Now, is, boy. It, is this episode known as Is this rock and roll uncut or Brian's paper? <laughs> <laughs> you can't call yeah. it uncut. Not not in my respect. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's 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 the director's cut. On a serious note, all the best for tomorrow, Brian. Good luck, Brian. Um, sure, I'll be fine. Thanks, fellas. Um, On that note, good night. Good night, gentlemen. Good night, John Boy. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. 